Johnny O Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny O. This podcast is brought to you by Top Billing Entertainment, produced by Asylum Recording Studios and the great Mr. Zills. Do you like to party? Then RepCPS.com is for you. RepCPS started out as College Peep Show, a simple Snapchat account that shared submitted pictures of people having a good time. It has grown into a huge merch company. They offer an entire clothing line, patches, stickers, and more with hilarious party scenes. Go to repcps.com today and use promo code JOHNNYO for 10% off at the checkout. Richard, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, John. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I run the gamut of uh, guests. I have rock stars on to... Funeral directors and embalmers on, I guess you'd say. I just, I, I talk to people that are interesting to me and I stumbled across you on Twitter and I could not stop reading your posts. So what I'd like you to do is just give me a brief overview of you, your career, uh, funeral director, embalmer. Yeah. You- sure. Um, you know, uh, I didn't grow up wanting you know, with the vision in my head of being a mortician at all. Um, but, you know, the Lord leads people into different fields at different times. Back in 2001, um, I began uh, my journey as a mortician. I started my apprenticeship. Uh, the One of the main reasons I remember 2001 is because I remember standing there in the funeral home watching the television when uh, 9-11 happened. Uh, back then I was an apprentice, but I was doing embalming and, and funeral directing back then as an apprentice and um, got my uh, funeral director's license and went to mortuary school, which you have to do here in the state I live in order to become a licensed embalmer. Can I ask a question uh, about that quick? So there's states where you don't need a license to do it or? Well, there's only one currently right now, and that's in um, Colorado. They have a different set of rules. But in the funeral, uh, funeral directing and embalming, there is a national board of uh, funeral service, kind of accreditation. They make it more professional. And if you go to mortuary school and you take the national board exams, uh, then you become national board certified. And all that means is that let's say I decide to leave the state of Alabama and want to go to Iowa to be an embalmer. All I have to do then is give Iowa, um, you know, a copy of my national board exams and then, uh, I can get my license in Iowa by simply taking whatever state law test they might have. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so it, it, yeah. yeah. So in, instead of having to start an apprenticeship all over again for each state, um, it's, you know, I've already been national board certified. So that means, you know, I already, I've already passed all the major exams. And so each state has sometimes a few different laws, you know, concerning cremation and, you know, different things that you might have to do uh, separate. Um, so that's, that's all, that's, that's just, that's just kind of jargon for, you know, uh, being national board certified makes me to where I can travel uh, to different states and get a license much easier in other states if I decided to move. And and all of so, this information is going to be relevant to our conversation as we proceed. So that's why I want to get the information, you know, this kind of information. Yeah. And, and now I finished mortuary school and finished my uh my uh, board exams back in, uh, 2004. Um, so I've been in, I've been embalming for a long time. And my first, my first really good job, uh, when I, uh, after mortuary school, I started in January of 2005 at a, uh, at a major, uh, corporation, uh, we call it a prep center, which is an, uh, it's where all, a whole bunch of funeral homes that were are within that company that, you know, the main company owns a bunch of funeral homes. They have all of their embalming happens at that one location. And then that, uh, the bodies are prepped there and then they get shipped out to the, uh, 
to the funeral home where the family actually has their visitation and services. Can I ask a question so, about that? Sure. And and you'll find as I interview, uh, it, it, when you say something, I might go off a little bit. But yep. so is that in a general area? Like, like hey, right. okay. It's not like, hey, I'm in New York and and I'm shipping the body back to Los Angeles. It's, it's right. No, uh, no, okay. it's that's okay. too much work. Usually, yes. uh, they, they we call them prep centers, and usually they're going to be located. Um, SCI is one of the largest corporations, Service Corporation International. And so they, let's say they have a, we'll pick Minneapolis, for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say they've got about 10 funeral homes in that area. And instead of having 10 funeral, 10 uh, different embalming centers, they just centralize it to that one. Where okay, they that have makes sense. Yep. All the work is done there. And, and then the body gets shipped out. It makes things a little bit more almost like, uh, you know, factory work, you know, you, well, you, you're doing this. Yeah. Streamline. Yeah. And so the beauty in that is I, in my field of, of being a funeral director and embalmer, um, and I've done both funeral directing and embalming, but my passion, the thing that I love to do the most was preparing the body. Um, and I know this might sound a little strange, but restorative art is really what I love to do the most. And that is where you, you have a person that dies, let's say, with a, a terrible car accident or something like that. The body is in pretty bad shape. And we, uh, we embalm the body and then we do our best to restore that body to as much of a natural state as possible so that the family can have a, uh, a much more pleasant, peaceful uh, goodbye. Can you tell me again what that term, what, what what it's called, restorative art? Restorative art, restoration or restorative art. Kind of like think about an old, you, you take an old, uh, an old Mustang that's sitting in a field somewhere. It's all nasty. It's got a couple broken windows and everything like that. And then you get somebody that takes that Mustang and he buys that thing and he takes it to his shop and he look, makes it look brand new again. That's restoration. Well, we do restoration of the body too. Everybody that dies, you know, not always, but most of the time when a person dies, it does it's not a pretty picture always. No, it's um, not. Um, right. I, and so our job is to restore that body to make it look like the body is um, much more natural, almost like they're sleeping, so to speak. So I, I'm just going to tell you, Richard, I, I've done many an interview on this podcast I, I have never been more interested in what you're talking about than right now. This is something so new and fresh to me, the restorative mm-hmm. art. And it, it's, it's, it's so unique. I don't even know how to say it, but it's so unique, like what you're talking about. But, uh, mm-hmm. so, so you, I mean, and I guess the, it's almost a tribute to the person for the family. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and we believe in that. That's, that's what we do. I mean, because death is such a hard thing, you know, as a funeral director, we, we deal with, you know, we're talking to the families and a lot of times we're out there picking the, we, we would go out and pick the body up and, um, and we're there and with the tears, the sorrow, um, all of the bad stuff. And sometimes it's really hard. Uh, and you know, a lot of times, you know, again, death is not, death can be peaceful. Yes. But sometimes it doesn't look very pretty. Um, and so when, uh, when I was younger in my, during my apprenticeship years, the thing that I, I got the most joy out of is taking a person that, um, the family, you know, their, their memory of when we came to pick that body up was not pretty. And a lot of times they would say, you know, we're, we're just going to have a closed casket. Um, you know, you know, you know, our loved one was, you know, you know, in such bad shape. And then I get in there and I do the embalming process. And then I try to do my best to make that body look much more at peace and much healthier than they were. Now, granted, I can't, I can't take a skeleton and turn it into, um, you know, a, you know, like somebody that has been working out at the gym every day, but I can take that body and make that body look much more at peace. And so when the family does come back 
to see their loved one um, at the visitation or yeah, at the visitation, um, we would always give them the opportunity to at least say goodbye and let them decide, are you sure you want to leave the casket closed? And when the family comes in to see the body there and they see how much work we've put into making that person look their best as best can be. Best can be. Um, the, and, and the tears that come from their eyes and the smile, um, because now they have that as their last memory, not what they look like when they took their last breath. Yeah, from whatever. Um, that is that is that is a that is that is the thing that really hooked me in the field that I'm in is being able to do that. I mean, I've literally taken people that had no eye and and built an uh, an eye and an eyelid and eyelashes and all that stuff to make it look like they were normal. I've taken people that have had tumors that disfigured half of their face. And, um, and, you know, of course we have to get permission to remove those kind of tumors, but once we remove them and I start doing the work and being able to bring that person back to where you almost couldn't tell there was a tumor there at all. So do you take like, mm -hmm. like they give you a picture of the person before they were sick or whatever happened and you kind of sometimes, construct sometimes, most, most of the time I don't get a picture. It's just, it's, it's an, that's why it's an art. I just feel like this is what they would have looked like. Gotcha. Well, um, see, and this is now, so if I have a picture, great. <laughs> yeah. If I have a picture that, that helps. Um, but most of the time I don't get a picture. Um, I, I just, I just work on the side that I can see and I, you know, and I try to balance things out to make it look like something natural. Yep. So, so, so just so if the listeners know we're, we're, this is the, the, we're, we're building up to these blood clots that you're finding, but right. I, I wanted to get the backstory, your training. Can you tell me just a, 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 a brief embalming process? Like, I, I don't even know what that Absolutely. means. Right. So, um, when a person dies, a lot of times they get, um, some, some call it modeling or mold. You, they start, they turn color, um, blood settles in the lower portions of the body. A lot of times the fingers turn blue. Um, a lot of times the ears or the head will turn blue as blood settles. It turns blue. Right. Um, and so, the embalming process is simply taking a preservative, typically a formaldehyde-based uh, preservative that's mixed with um, different kinds of dyes and stuff like that. And we raise um, a vessel, two vessels, typically. It's an artery, a large artery, and a vein that usually rides along with it. And for ease of um, understanding, we'll, we'll pick on the common carotid, which is up there near the neck, right? Goes up into the head. Mm -hmm. And the juggler vein, people are familiar with those. So I'll use those as an example. Especially like we the juggler vein. Yeah, I mean, the, you hear that. The juggler vein and the carotid artery. Those are two pretty large vessels. And it's typically used in most, most embalmers use those two locations on a regular basis. Um, I use uh, other vessels as well. Um, but we raise the artery. Now the artery is much thicker. It's more like a rubber band. Um, and we open the artery and we put in a tube that is hooked to a machine with that chemical. And that machine then pushes that fluid into the artery and it starts going towards the heart and it starts spreading through the rest of the vessels. Now the vein, the juggler vein that rides next to it, we then open that vessel up to allow that um, the, the blood and everything else to come out. If you don't do that, you'll end up with, uh, swelling the body. You know, it's, it's kind of like adding air to a balloon. The more you put in there, if you don't allow some to come out, it's going to eventually blow up. So, so, so essentially you're pushing the blood out of the body. In a sense. Yeah. Using, building up the pressure with pumping the fluid in through the arteries and then it drains out of the vein during the embalming process. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So Does that sound pretty, pretty it, good. Uh, that's, that's a great description. I've never talked to anybody about this or I never even thought I'd want to know how it worked, but, this right? is so, but honestly, this is so interesting to me. So, okay. So yeah. let's, let's get into it. So you, 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 
20 plus years embalming, right? Yes. Yeah. So now as of, as I'm reading, what caught my attention was you have a post pinned on your Twitter account about early 2021, like start yes. like, what is this? So as you're embalming and you're pushing the blood out, is that, am I saying that correctly? Um, yeah. During the embalming process, yeah. when I'm raising the vessels and during the drainage, um, there's different things that I'm seeing. And, but it's, you in, said blood clots coming out of the circulatory system system. Yep. during the embalming process. And you started seeing this in early 2021. Correct. And, and, and if you that, go to your Twitter, it, th there's pictures of vials that you have. And I even saw uh -huh. one post where someone's like, can you prove this is really you? And you even had a picture of your hand with the vials <laughs> with your Twitter yeah, handle written on a piece of paper. Like, this is yeah, this is legit because I did see, and the reason I'm bringing this up is people saying, "Oh, that's just calamari." I think was one you put right, yeah. in. So you legitimized everything by like, "Look at here it is, here it is, here it is," and and I guess I would say as we go into this conversation, some would say, "Why would you make this up? Why would you? You wouldn't. I mean, you could be like, "Oh, uh, you're against the vaccine or whatever," but who would go to this kind of trouble and in my opinion and, and put their career on the line really just to make up bullshit. Sorry. I don't, just to be blunt. So, yeah, you know, but, right. but, but when, when I'm reading through your, your, your stuff, I, I think to myself, what would be the, the, you would have no, nothing to gain from making it up is what I'm trying to get at. So back into the, so, so you're back to it. To, it's early 2021. Take me into that. Yes. So in my 20 years of embalming, that's kind of, you know, um, I've had, a, I, I've done a few posts. I've not been on Twitter very long. I only joined Twitter in May. Um, but, um, did you join in, Twitter for this reason or, I, I did be well, people were begging me to join Twitter. Um, they were saying to do it. I should join Twitter. And I, I've been on Facebook for a long time. Um, but there was so many people that were, that I, you know, were banned from Twitter for saying all kinds of stuff. And then when Elon Musk took over, that's when people were really asking me to please join. Even the people from the, uh, the uh, producers that made the uh, died suddenly, uh, uh, Matt and Nick, um, they were the ones that came here to my house to um, to interview me and to see these things firsthand and to go around. And I took them to funeral homes and let them talk to uh, many of the people that I work with, most of which uh, would not speak publicly, would not do an actual interview with them, even though they verified everything that I was saying was true. Um, they didn't want to go on record because of the fear, the fear of being canceled and the canceled. fear of all this stuff. So I, um, I eventually broke down and decided, okay, well, I'll go ahead and join Twitter because it seems as though there's more freedom to speak over there. Um, now, and did you so join after yeah, you, you joined after Elon took over then? Oh yeah. 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 I didn't join yeah. until uh, May, May 1st of this year. I was just trying to rack my brain. I couldn't remember when he took over, but you've, a, you, you've amassed uh, 30, over 30 some thousand followers too, since then. Right. That's yeah. And that's only because of some of the posts that I put out there. Um, Cause they're pretty they're kind of graphic. And some of the stuff that I say isn't exactly, it's not an easy thing to say. I but mean, sometimes how do you say something that, that is, that is, even though it's true, there's, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard. It's, it's, I don't know a nice way of sharing what I'm seeing, but in, uh, in late 2021, I, I took my first image in, in, uh, September of 2021, almost a year ago. Um, right about a year ago, actually, we're two, in September two years now. Ago. So, yeah. Or two years ago, yeah, two years ago. So, but as the uh, as the time was going on, as twenty twenty one was going on, 
I'm sitting here, I'm talking to other morticians and, and they're starting to see the same thing. I've brought embalmers into the embalm room that, that work at the funeral home that, you know, still do occasionally embalming, but they, they, they've got 30, 40, 50 years of experience. And I would ask them, had they ever seen this stuff before? And the answer was always, they've never seen anything like it. So I, um, I knew something was wrong. Something wasn't right. This strange abnormal clotting issue started in early 2021. I usually estimate I, I, my blanket statement is then May, but it might have been a little earlier than that. It might have been in you know sometime in March or April, but definitely May, no later than June. There's, I mean, it was uh, it, there's it was no later than June. So I estimate around May. Spring of 2021, I'm noticing, um, and, and understand, we've dealt with blood clots in my field for a long, long time. And, and you've been doing when this I, again, let's reiterate. So for yeah, 20, 20 years, years at that time. 20 years. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and like I said, when I, my, my first big job at the, at the embalming center, uh, with that corporation, we were embalming, you know, you know, somewhere around 900 to a thousand bodies a year between cool. three and bombers. So it's not like I've never done this. It's not like I'm unfamiliar with the embalming process. Yes. I've seen large clots in the past, but blood clots are red. They're like jelly, like grape jelly at most like a grape jam. They're not white. Okay. We sometimes would get, what we would call chicken fat clot that might be kind of jumbled up within it. Um, but that's kind of a yellowish looking color. And they're, um, and, and it's, it's literally, we call them chicken fat clots because literally that's what it looks like. Chicken fat. Right. So, so, so just, so just for my audience, they, so I I just want to circle back. So you're saying blood clots are red and, Yes. Is for people that might be listening to this for the first time before seeing the pictures, the clots you're pulling out are white. Yes, they're um, they're white. On some of the images that I have, some you you might say it looks almost like spaghetti. Uh, one of the uh, John O'Looney in England, um, he refers to them as calamari, which is also a great example because it's. They're, um, they're kind of rubbery, like, um, like raw calamari. I mean, that's a very good description and they're long, uh, and not always are they long. I shared a picture recently on, on Twitter where they're not always big. I took a, a small one. Now the individual that I, that I saved that sample had many more, um, that was in the body and much larger, but I wanted to have an example to post out there to say, Hey, look, not always am I seeing these things that are like, you know, six, 12, 18, 20, 30 inches long. They're not always that big. Sometimes they're small. And the point of the small ones that I wanted to bring out, or I need people to realize, even though that's small, it, a smaller one than that, if if it gets breaks free and flows around in your circulatory system, which is then becomes it goes from a thrombosis to an embolus, and and it ends up in your heart, and it lodges there, you can have a sudden heart attack. You're if done. it lodges up in the brain, you can have a sudden um, a stroke, and you know that. And it, depending on where the, if a piece of this or, or the clot itself moves from one location to another, it could become catastrophic for the individual. Without a doubt. And, no matter how, this, think about how small some of the veins in your body are. You exactly. Know? So, yeah. And, and if something, yeah. So I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's downright scary what you're saying. It is. And so we've dealt with clots for a long, long time. And in, uh, like I said, or sometime in early 2021, we started seeing this. Now, as, as the summer was going along, as, as we were moving along, I'm asking other morticians, morticians that I know personally and that I talk to and some that I work with. And I'm, 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 look, hey, am I losing my mind here? If, 
Because in the very beginning, when I first seen Strange Cloth, I was thinking, wow, that's weird. But sometimes you run into things that aren't necessarily normal, right? Correct. Um, well, I and guess I say correct like stuff. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it so. doesn't have to be an embalming. You could be a mechanic and you can yeah. be sitting there changing the oil on a car and you're used to oil changes and you know what oil looks like as you, as a mechanic. Yeah. You know if somebody's changing their oil on a regular basis. You know by looking at some of the stuff, you know if they've got an engine problem because you see certain shavings, right? Yep, that's you a, great, that's a great analogy to, yeah. Yeah. So. So now think about, I'm an embalmer. I know what blood looks like. I know what normal clotting looks like. And I know sometimes we end up with strange stuff. Like I said, the chicken fat clots. And, you know, and sometimes there may be, you know, larger clots where somebody has a deep vein thrombosis. But again, I know what those clots look like. We're very familiar with those. This was different. And in the beginning, when I started seeing this stuff, it was like, wow, that's really weird. But when you start to see it again and again and again and again and again and again, you're like, wait a minute, something's causing this. And I don't know exactly what it is. Well, then it's a pattern. So you see it once and never again. It's like, uh, but but now you're seeing a pattern. Right. And in um, November, uh, in November of 2021, more and more people were asking me. How often are you seeing it? And I didn't have an exact answer because I don't know, I a lot. So I started documenting it on my computer. And and in November of 2021, it was almost 50% of the bodies that I was in, that I embalmed that month had these strange clots. Okay, so now, uh, hold on. So 50% had the strange clots. Yes. That's that's a huge number because I, I wish I would have known that before we talked, but if you look at the numbers of people with COVID, blah, 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 sometimes the percentages were way lower than that. And, and, but they used it as proof. Do you know what I mean by that? It, um, it, like 50% is a lot in my opinion. Sometimes to, to get a point across in anything, they'll be like, Oh, well, 12%. And they'll be like, oh, well, if 12% of the people have it, that's a big number. And you're talking 50%. 50% of the bodies I was having had it. Yeah. yeah. That's, to me, in my personal opinion, that's a big number. 50% is a lot. One out of two. Yep. Yes. That's right. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at my computer right now. And uh, so far, at this point, I have 50% that have it. I have another, um, okay. Well, hang on. Got, you, what, hold that thought. So 50% have it. And, and let's go back to, this is 50% of the people you're embalming have it, but yet 20 early, early 2021, it was 0%. So there's no, no, in, 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 in 20 years prior to embalming, I had never seen these white fibrous clots. So, like yeah. So ever. never seen before <laughs> all the way to 50%. Right. Yeah. Right now. Uh, but, but it's, it's, it's almost worse than that. So on my computer, I have, um, I, I, I'm trying my best to document the best of my ability. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have, I have it highlighted in orange. That is um, where they have these these definite signs of these white fibrous looking clots. Okay, the, the blood clots are just they are the they're the ones that I would say. You know what? I would be willing to bet. Um, I know it caused this, but then we we got to understand. We also have you know in the funeral business, we've always dealt with clots. Okay, so um, but like you said, they were red clots. They or or the clots. chicken clots that you chicken chicken fat clots, but it's but the clots that we're seeing now, and so I have these uh, that I highlight in yellow, and I just label it as small clots, but they're still yellow because they're still clots, but they're they're still red. Some of them still look a little strange to me, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna highlight it in orange because it's not. It's not exactly the stuff that I'm having in these vials. Does that make sense? Yes. So 
I'm just going to tell you in the last, um, in the in the last uh, eighteen bodies that I've embalmed, I've only had one that didn't have any signs of a clot. Wait, wait, wait! One that did not. Did not. So one out of so eighteen have, did not. And so I have, I have nine of those that had them. One of them was verified vaccinated, and one. Um, uh, I didn't see anything in it, but the body was autopsied and the body had been dead for a couple of days, uh, before I had gotten to do the embalming. And, um, and I have one that I had labeled as small clots, but I labeled it also as dirty because it's unusual. If the blood looks dirty, it looks different. But anyway, years ago, prior to all of this stuff happening, I would maybe have, um, 10 to 15% of the bodies that I would embalm, we'll just even jump it up to 20%, two out of 10, that I would have maybe some issues of clotting. Most of the other bodies, I didn't have issues of clotting. They were, they were not clotted. Um, so, but there's, there's something that's changed recently that has totally flipped the script to where now we're going with clots almost on a regular basis. Since, and many since, of them are these bad ones that we see. And and you're saying this is since early 2021. Yep. And, and I'm building up to something here and, and I'm, I'm just trying to tread lightly, but, but yeah. yeah, let's get into it. So in, in your opinion, what changed into, what changed? Early, I, into early 2021? I mean, right. The only thing that changed, in my opinion, was the initiation of the vaccine. Okay, um, and and in our brief conversations online and before before this conversation, I told you what one thing that impressed me about your posts is you were never just it's this, it's this. You always said, right. "Let's just figure out what it is," and yes. and and that's. That's why I wanted to talk to you because you never did say, I'm saying it's this. You said, let's have a conversation like we're having tonight. But right. but one out of 18 without, this conversation, right. in my opinion, needs to escalate to like, all right, what is going on here? Exactly. It is. Yeah, 100%. Because even if they were to, so, you know, I've been trying to figure this out for a long time and understand I have, I just before uh, this conversation, um, I was on uh, talking with a person, it's another pathologist. So I have spoken to many doctors. There are doctors that are out there that are curious. Not very many, but there are some. And I have sent these samples to different doctors to try to figure out what it is. Um, and even if you don't, you're right. I haven't, I've been trying really hard to stay neutral on the determination of exactly what is causing this, but I'm, I'm quickly now after, um, you know, we're what, Two years, over two years into this now, two and a, with two, all of the two and a half, and all of, yeah, two and a half years now, all of the stuff that's coming out, um, I'm leaning more and more heavily, and I know exactly what's causing this, and um, and it seems to be the spike protein, the spike protein, um, and okay, can you it's describe because of all of the people? Spike, that I, that spike I, that I protein. Can you describe what that means? Can you tell me what that means? I have no idea yeah. what that means. The spike. Okay, so you had the coronavirus, yes. right? And even during coronavirus, towards the end of 2020, as as all this stuff was going, I we did see an escalation of clotting. Okay, we did see an escalation in clotting. Not this white stuff but clotting in general. Um, and they had determined even in 2020 that they started figuring out that 
you know, it, that the, uh, that the coronavirus, um, caused some clotting, uh, issues. Now, here's the thing. The spike protein is that little spike that you see on that little diagram that they show you the coronavirus. So the virus itself has spike, the spike protein. You have natural infection, you get it. That spike protein then goes into your body and you're fighting it off. Some people have what's called long COVID. Yep. Um, not vaccinated, but have long COVID. And they have they, these microclots caused by the spike itself, the spike protein. That's what they have now been finding out, that the spike protein is the most toxic part of that uh, coronavirus. So a spike protein is a, is a spike protein clot? Uh, no, okay. I'm not saying it's going to be the clot itself, but I am, I, I'm believing that the spike protein causes some form of a, a clotting issue. Is it the spike itself or is it the spike causing something to create the clot? That, would the, would that, know, that's up for debate. Would that clot have a different color than what you're seeing or could it be the same? Well, um, in the normal clotting has fibrin in it. Okay. Fibrin looks a little bit more white. Um, the problem is, is fibrin is microscopic. You can't see it with the naked eye. And you're pulling this stuff out. Exactly. Okay. So the, 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 so if the spike, even from the natural, virus infection gets into your body and it can cause clots. That's one thing. And so, yes, it can increase the clotting issues, which we, I recognize in, um, in 2020, I noticed an increase in the clotting. Okay. The problem is, is with the vaccine, they took the spike protein and they, inject you with spike protein and the mRNA, the messenger stuff, whatever it is, to make your body reproduce and make that spike protein in order to initiate an immune response. That's their words. That's what they said. So so, so they're, imagine, they're magnifying a clot. They're magnifying the they're magnifying the spike. If the spike is causing all of these issues by them injecting people with the MRNA that makes your body create the toxic part of that virus, it's not the same as getting the virus where your body will then, yeah, you still get spike protein, but it's in a small amount. When you're injected into your body with that spike protein that's already toxic, and then send your body the message messenger making your body create that spike protein. You're am- like you said, you're amplifying that spike protein throughout your body. You're magnifying now, it. Yes. I you're mean, magnifying it. You know, I, I am the most ignorant SOB on the planet. I don't know shit from Shinola, but everything you're saying, I am calculating in my brain, and it sounds like they're magnifying something so here's the problem and then they magnified it with a shot we're not saying for sure we're just saying all fingers are pointing that direction is that fair exactly yeah yeah it's fair but you're being really kind on that because <laughs> they know now that the spike is 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 toxic um they uh there's a doctor pretorius in africa that has taken the spike protein alone apparently take the spike and mix it with certain platelets and it instantly clotted. So they've known this and they've known this for a while, John. They've, it's not like they didn't know. And understand in 2021, as things are progressing and it really, it, it got, it's gotten worse over time. It hasn't necessarily gotten better. Yes, there's times that the death rate slows down. There's times that the death rates pick back up. But I'm looking at my computer and I'm like, no, this clotting remains the same. 
So yeah, even if the death rate slows down, I'm still seeing roughly 50%, sometimes higher than that, even up to 60% um, showing signs of these, these strange clots. Why does it go up and down? I don't know. I can tell you that um, the, the uh, booster intake rate has dropped significantly in the last year. And is there, is there a correlation there? I don't know. Let's not look at it because we don't want to know the truth these days. Well, okay. So you're right there. We don't want to know the truth. I mean, just, just a sidebar to what we're talking about. Uh, the federal government has spent $25.3 billion on doses of Pfizer and Moderna. So, you know, Pfizer mm -hmm. and Moderna don't want to talk about this at nope. all. And again, we're not saying we're, we're, we're just having a conversation, but that's a lot of money. And if, if people like you are starting to see these weird things in embalming or whatever it is, they don't want you to be talking about it. That's right. Now, uh, John, there was a after the Died Suddenly uh, documentary came out, which it's amazing how they want to throw it under the bus because they find one or two clips that they had played, which they were trying to bring forth, you know, look, this is what we're talking about, whether it was, you know, oh, it was misdated. And they want to throw the whole documentary away because of that. It, it just blows my mind because I listen to the Dagum mainstream media and they get stuff wrong all the time, yet they don't get thrown under the bus. They get it but, wrong on purpose sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And not to yeah, get into it, but you could think of everything that we were told for the last three or four years between yes. masks work and then now they don't work. You know, you know what I mean. So you could go. I don't want to get into all the politics, but you could oh, talk yeah. about a million things. And this isn't to me. And the reason I wanted to talk to you, it's not about politics. It's about people. If people are dying from this. It, it, we need to talk about it. And, and it, it just in my mind, 20 years from now, we're going to be hearing, did you live by Camp Lejeune? You, it's going to be like, did yeah, you take the COVID shot? You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going <laughs> to be hearing that. And full disclosure, I took the COVID shot. I was yeah. taking care my, my dad is deceased. He died last December, but when this was all going on, I was his primary caregiver. I took him to get mm -hmm. the shot. He mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm doing the right thing, but I didn't want it. But when I got to the VA, he was a veteran. They had one shot left. They're like, we're going to throw it out if someone don't take it. And I sat quietly and a bunch of other veterans were there. And they're like, do you have the shot? I'm like, nah, I'm not interested. And they, between the doctor and the nurse and a couple of the veterans are like, oh, come on, you pussy, take the shot. Literally, someone said, come on, you pussy, take the shot. <laughs> and I did it. So I did the first shot. I was fine. It was three months later, the second shot. I was sick for two days after that second shot. I was in bed sick from the second one. And I'm not saying I had blood clots or nothing. I'm just saying it wasn't the best thing in the world to me. No. My, yeah, my, I know. my mother is sure. 70 in her 70s. She's had the shots. I support it 100% because, you know, would I want my kids to have it? No, they're healthy. They'll fight it off natural immunity. My mom might have, you know, she has other health issues. But now talking to you, and we talked a little bit on the phone yesterday, it's a little scary to me. You know what I mean? Oh, like, trust me. I, I'm with you 100%. Listen, I, I, uh, I didn't get the shot. Um, the only reason why I didn't get the shot, I was offered the shot a handful of times. And, um, but I was, you know, I tested positive um, uh, with coronavirus earlier, like around May or June of, of 2020. So I, I was like, you know, at the time, you know, we had to be put on a list and all this stuff. And I had funeral homes that, you know, they had appointments with the health department. You want to go ahead and you want to come with us and put you on a list. And I'm like, no, nah, that's okay. Because my thought then was, you know, there are old, there are people that might need that shot more than me. I've already had the virus. So I felt like, you know, I already have natural immunity because yep. uh, I, I, I never that. got, 
I never got chicken pox vaccine. I had chicken pox when I was a kid. So why would I, why would I go back and get a vaccine for something I already had? So I, I chose to stay away from that. Yep. And um, again, so you're not alone. I have family members too. I have family members that are vaccinated and are fine, but I have some that are having issues and I'm concerned for them. And I have friends that have myocarditis. I've, a uh, guy, another guy at a funeral home. I mean, he didn't realize. And after his vaccine, he ends up getting, you know, heart palpitations and, you know, the stuff that I know is scares the crud out of me because and, I care about people. And you can look like, and it's never been proven or talked about enough in my humble opinion, but look at these young athletes like Damar Hamlin, Bronny James, 24 years old, 18 years old, having heart attacks. Why are these young athletes having heart attacks? And they can explain it away a hundred times. But if you look back to play in the NFL, you got to get the shot. I'm sure Bronny James to go to college, you got to get the shot. And, and let's at least, I'm not saying that's what caused it, but is it horrible to have the conversation is what I'm saying. The conversation where me and you are having the conversation about those shots. Let's just figure yeah. it out because if we just keep jabbing people, how many people could possibly die? You know what I mean? Right. And, and, yes. and that's why I think the conversation needs to be had about it. But I, I, I got a couple questions for you about you. So you're coming out, you're talking about it. It's not popular. Let's face it, it's not popular. This conversation is not popular. Oh, no. you know, and and what kind of pushback are you getting, if any? Well, um, <laughs> I've had a little bit of pushback, um, not serious pushback. Um, I lost, uh, well, I, I kind of lost business with one funeral home because, um, it was making comments to people, um, and it had to do with me being controversial. And so just to, um, to, just to maintain friendship without, um, without getting into any arguments, I just simply turned in my key and, you know, said, you know, you just find somebody else. You don't have to talk about me behind my back. I'm, I'm okay. Yep. Um, I had a so, family. So you were professional I, I had, about it. Is what yeah, you're yeah, I mean, you know, and I'll still, you know, I, I want to remain, I, I want to maintain uh, friendship and and peace and all that stuff. I had a doctor reach out to me because there was a person that had died, and the family believed um, that it was uh, due to the uh, actually due to the vaccine, and they knew what I was doing. They and so he got in contact with me. I got in contact with the family. The family had the body at a funeral home. They had told the funeral home that they wanted to get their own embalmer to come in and embalm. And so they contacted me to go up and do the embalming and I was going to do it for the family. I mean, I didn't know this family, but I was asked if I would please go out there because they were curious if this, their father would have any of this stuff inside of his body. And, um, so when I called the funeral home, I was, uh, I, I was told that there was no way in hell that I would ever step foot in their funeral home. We do not take pictures. We do not talk about anything that happens in the embalming room. And if the family don't like it, they can find another funeral home. So I had to call the family back and tell them, you know, I'm sorry, they won't let me come up there. Um, they ended up finding another funeral home that the embalmer was willing to talk to them and they were polite. And, uh, when they did the embalming process, lo and behold, guess what they found? Wow. And, and the, the keyword is polite. We just want to know. Yeah. We just want to know. And, and, you know, and they're, you know, the, 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 the man that died, he was older, but it was, it was how the event of his decline is what drew the alarm. And, um, and they found uh, one of these and I actually drove all the way up there because um, they wanted, uh, they wanted, uh, some preservative and a, uh, and a vial to save this, this, uh, specimen in this strain, this white clot, um, in order for maybe, uh, some pathologist to look at, which 
I ended up getting them in touch with a very good pathologist. Uh, the pathologist that was there locally was basically telling the family he couldn't help them. There was nothing he could do. He's like, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Um, and I ended up getting him in touch with a pathologist that would look at it and would um, see if that, uh, if that vaccine had anything to do with the death. Now, I haven't heard uh, if there were any results, but you have uh, my point on that is pathologists, for the most part, across America, I mean, they don't have the ability to tell if it was the vaccine, because in order to find out is the vaccine, you got to be able to separate the virus um, and the spike protein. You have to be able to tell the difference. You have the virus itself will have the nucleocapsid, which is the big chunky part, and then it will have uh, bits and pieces of the spike protein in there. If they do a tissue specimen and they stain it properly, they can tell if it had that nucleocapsid, if it doesn't have the nucleocapsid and the body is full of just spike protein, well, guess what that means? It wasn't, and it, it wasn't the virus. It was the vaccine. It was the vaccine. Wow. And so it, that's what I'm saying. There's, now, again, I don't want to say a hundred percent. I'm not the pathologist. I'm just saying everything that I know, the spike seems to be the danger in this, in this, in this thing. And it's in both. It's in the, it's in the virus and it's in the vaccine. And what makes the vaccine worse again, is it makes your body create that spike that is so toxic and thrombogenic, meaning it creates blood clots. So, or it, it's, it's in it. you know, we're getting to be, like I told you on the phone, we, we keep it to about an hour. We're, we're about 10 minutes out, but I got, I want to do, are there other, I got a couple more questions. Are there others like you speaking out, you're you're obviously not alone. Didn't you, you, briefly, no. you told me you were at a seminar, convention, yeah, something. I was at a seminar, yeah. I was at a seminar, a convention, whatever you want to call it, just um, Sunday. And, um, and, a, and a lady came up to me, and her friend is an embalmer. And she was excited to meet me, and she said, you know, my friend's an embalmer. She's seen the exact same thing. She knows exactly what you're talking about. I you know, I, I don't know who that individual was, of course, but um, it's interesting. I get a lot of stuff on my Twitter where people say that. But I will say that after that documentary, there's a man named Thomas Haviland. And um, and I, I could probably get you in touch with him. He'd be more than happy to talk to you. He did a blood clot survey. He was trying to get um, a survey out there that would... Um, contact he's contacting these funeral homes and having them do you know asking them to do a survey now very 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 few i mean he sent out um hundreds and hundreds even um i'm sure by now it's been you know a couple thousand at least of emails trying to get people to do it but back when he was doing it, it was just the united states portion almost seven out of ten embalmers acknowledge they are now seeing these and the main consensus is that it started in 2021. Okay, there so wait, I, I, I want to interrupt you for a quick second because I want to, sure. I want to make sure that everyone heard that seven out of ten are now seeing it, and they hadn't seen it prior to 2021. Right. So, there so that's a, a big deal. There was a couple. <laughs> there was a couple on there that said that um, they they said it might have started. They might saw it in 2020. Um, and you know, I'm not going to call anybody a liar. Um, but I have seen it myself where people have said, no, I got vaccinated back in January of 2020. They're getting their timelines mixed up because there's so much crazy information out there. The vaccine didn't come out in January, 2020. It no. came out in 2021 Yeah, <laughs> or absolutely. actually yeah. late December of 2020, but really, it really pushed out in January of 2021. And if you think about I'm it in saying, 20, in January, 2020, we were joking about it. Stay away from yeah. Corona. You might get the virus, you know, the Corona beer. Because yeah. at the time when this happened, I wasn't just a podcaster and my, I owned another business. I owned a bar at the time. So yeah. we were, you know, having coronavirus jokes in the bar, like don't drink the Corona, you know, as a joke in right. January, 2020. So obviously my point being 
that's a year too early to even, you know, we didn't even know. We still thought it came from a, 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 a food market. You know what I mean? So, right. so, oops, I gave my opinion. I apologize. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, but y- your point is right. And I- I'm just saying that, you know, some of these people that might have marked 2020, they, they, you know, it's kind of the same with me. When did I see this exactly? I can't put my finger on the date. I know when about, I know May, right? It might've been, it might've been in, in, in March or April, Yep. but I know it was no later than June. Um, so I'm, I'm estimating and you got to look at, you know, so somebody puts 2020, they might be, you know, sometimes we just get our, our dates mixed up, but for the most part, one of the, uh, people in that survey, cause there was a portion in there for a comment. One of them came from California and this, this embalmer was saying he's embalmed over 500 bodies. He's never seen white, any of these white clots. Well, that's nice that he's, you know, he's saying that, I'm, you know, this is crazy and all that kind of so stuff. So he has the opposite view of you. He has the opposite view of me. And he even put on there, don't make this like some kind of thing against the vaccine. But in his statement, he admits he's never seen white fibrous looking clots before. You see what I'm saying? Even though he was a naysayer and he was kind of against this whole thing, he did do his part and he filled it out. But in his comments, he admits that he's never seen these white fibers clots before. And he has seen them now or isn't seeing them now? I don't know. I have no idea. You see, when they did the survey, it was anonymous. Oh. It, they, it would, it, all, all they, uh, all that would do is say what state it came from. Um, but so they this didn't, they turned off the IP. This was an embalmer from California that said this? Yes. So I'm, yeah. I am I Googled it while we were talking. Was his last name Pfizer? Okay, that was just a poor atten- attempt at a joke. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. This is the most serious conversation I've probably ever had on my podcast. I, you know, you I, got to laugh. Uh, it, it's, yeah. In spite of crying. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's scary. And, and. It, 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 I guess you know what I, I'm not going to take much more of your time. I want to say a few it's things. Okay, I'm I'm fine. I can stay on as long as you yeah, need. But me number to. one, it, it it takes a lot to speak out. I mean, when it's not the popular opinion, and and you can get canceled a hundred ways from Sunday, it takes a lot right. to speak out. So I commend you for doing that. I w- you know I, on that John, on on that on that comment right there that you were just making. And remember earlier, you know how the media always gets everything right. I mean wrong. I mean we don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, if you recall, over the last several years, um, the media was so good at always coming out with anonymous sources. This anonymous yes. sources that, and then later on, you find out well, how, how who trusts anonymous sources anymore. Anytime the media says anonymous sources, I, 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 I automatically say, I, I, you know, I don't believe you. So when, when I, um, when it came, when I, when I spoke out publicly and, and I can tell you how that happened briefly. Sure. Go ahead. Um, uh, there was a, a, uh, a doctor, a wonderful doctor, Dr. Uh, Teresa Long, which of course she's a whistleblower too. She happened to be at a funeral. Okay. And she was speaking um, with a with a uh, funeral director, and once they re- he realized who she was, um, you know, she came out. Teresa Long was the DOD whistleblower. She testified with um, Senator Ron Johnson. They got on this topic, and and she um, was talking with him, and he said to her you need to talk to uh, our embalmer. And that's how um, she and I were put together and contacted each other. And then she took the information that I had and gave it to uh, Dr. Jane Ruby um, that was on the Stu Peters network. And that's how my story went public. Now I tried to reach out to some people prior to that, but nobody would listen. Okay. Um, and in the beginning, I was given the opportunity or the option of remaining anonymous, kind of back where we started, yep. the anonymous, right? Yep. And 
I, uh, you know, I was losing sleep because I knew something needed to come out. I, I, I feel like this is a God thing. God, for whatever reason, has me here where I'm at doing my thing or speaking. But because I didn't trust anonymous sources, I chose to not be anonymous because of that. Because I didn't trust anonymous sources. Um, so why be anonymous? And I, I was warned in the beginning that there could be kickback, that you know, there could be all kinds yeah. of repercussions. And it's not over. So the reper- repercussions may still come. However, you know, I care more about humanity than I care about my own life. Um, That's a great statement. That's a great you, statement. You think about this, John. I mean, I'm looking like I'm looking at my computer. Half of the bodies are having this. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. let me tell you this: none of those were autopsied. Not one, except for the one that I didn't find clots in. <laughs> that wasn't autopsied. Uh, that was autopsied. Now, none of those bodies were autopsied. If these strange clots, which I'm sure it is now after many, many doctors are saying, are linked to the vaccine, then the death rate from the vaccine would be, you wouldn't be able to count them all. Because who's keeping records like I am? It'd be more than COVID. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, absolutely. Um all I'm saying, you know, whether it's the spike protein, which I believe it is now, um, I believe it's a spike protein, and I believe the vaccine is more dangerous than the virus itself. What's even more dangerous is 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 the vaccine, and then you get the COVID, because now you've got your body's already thrombogenic, already producing spike protein, and then you add the virus on top of it. So it makes it, it can make it worse. More spike protein. That's my opinion, of course. But yep. anyway. Well. But imagine, this is humanity. If, I mean, over 5 billion people have been vaccinated. You know, in the Bible, back in Leviticus, God commands his people not to eat or drink the blood of the animal. Why? Because the life is in the blood. The blood is sacred. When Cain killed Abel, the bl- and God says, what is your brother? You know, and, he, and he, he says, you know, your brother's blood has cried out to me. The blood is the life of the individual. Something changed in 2021 where I can see the a difference in the way the blood is being presented at after death. I don't see it while they're still alive. I only see it after death, yep. but I'd seen blood for 20 years. I know something changed in the blood. Whatever that change is needs to be figured out in order to help save people's lives. Well, and, and this is not, just here in the United States, John. I mean, I get stuff from the UK, from New Zealand, Canada. It is not just here. Whatever this is, it's global. Well, that's why I have a hard time saying it's the water or it's, yeah, you know, oh, Cheetos. Yeah, or Cheetos. Yeah. Well, no, Richard, right. you know what? It, we, we're, we like to keep it to an hour here because. Sure. people lose interest after an hour and they lose the message. But I, what, what I'd like to do is first of all, thank you for coming on so much. Thank you. This was the most interesting conversation I think I've had in a year that just from start to finish. And I would like to tell you that I'm going to follow you on social media on your, uh, on uh, Twitter and in six months, maybe we talk again and we say, okay, here's the update. Because when you're proven right, I want to, I, I want to have you back on and be like, and then you can do your victory lap and okay, let's a somber victory lap. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's not like you're like, yeah. aha, I'm going to dunk on you because I was right about people dying, but you can at least say, I wish people would have listened sooner, but do me a favor before we go. If people want to f- f- hear f- hear what you have to say, follow you. What's Twitter best place? 
Probably so. I mean, I'm on Facebook. It's just my name, Richard Hirschman. But on Twitter, um, you, you know, people, I, I, I'm, I'm freer to speak on Twitter than I am on Facebook. And so my Twitter is uh, Richard Hirschman, uh, H-I-R-S-C-H-M-A-N. And it's at uh, R underscore Hirschman, H-I-R-S-C-H-M-A-N. And it's all lowercase. Yep. And I just, Um, uh, honestly, I just happened upon you on Twitter. It wasn't like I was searching for you. One day, one of your things just came up. It was a picture of those vials came up. And I'm like, what is that? I thought it was calamari. Just kidding. I didn't think it was that. But, <laughs> no, but, 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 but uh, that's that's how I happen upon you. So hopefully everybody that listens to this follows this story. I think it's going to turn into a bigger story and a, then a bigger story after that. But I'm going to let you get back to doing what yeah. you got to do. I hope you stay in touch. And maybe in a few months from now, we follow up on this and get an update. Okay. All right. Thank you, John. All right, man. Thank you so much. Have a great night. That does it again for another episode of the Johnny O podcast. One more shout out to our sponsor, RepCPS.com. Don't forget to use promo code Johnny O, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-O, at the checkout for 10% off your order.